All right. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome to the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, the podcast that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. I have an exciting episode today, everybody. I hope that you're on board with this because uh, I am and my guest is, so I'm hoping you're going to stick around for this because we're going to talk about the, uh, the devotional life of students and what we can do as youth pastors to be able to... Um, help nail that down a little bit. You know, oftentimes trying to get kids to do their devotions is like trying to nail jello to the wall. It's awfully hard. Uh, it makes quite a mess. Uh, but uh, I have my friend Chase Snyder with here, me, with me here today to uh, clarify some things on maybe how we can up our game to get students um, to have their devotions and show them the, uh, the benefit of having that devotional time. So I want to welcome to the show, Mr. Chase Snyder. Hello, Chase. Well, hey, Paul. Man, I'm glad to be on here. I'm glad that you're on here too, my friend. Chase and I uh, uh, have known each other for a little while. We served together at the Youth, uh, the, uh, youth Specialties, uh, National Youth Workers Conference. We worked together for that. That was exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, But uh, other than that, Chase, tell everybody kind of where you're at, what you do, and uh, where you're at in life right now. Yeah, definitely. Man, I'm a Tennessee boy that lives in the metro Atlanta area right now, serving as a high school and young adults pastor. Uh, my wife and I, we have two kids. They're five and three years old. So there's a constant level of noise in my house. Uh, you know, if it's too silent, something's gone wrong. And if it's too loud, something's gone wrong. So there's this constant noise uh, having two preschoolers in the house. And it's all hours of the night as well. So uh, my wife and I love this space. Uh, it's been pretty fun. But I've been serving in student ministry for over a decade. And I've done some various uh, really roles within student ministry, worked at a parachurch organization, uh, Christian camping retreat center, and has uh, served in a couple churches. Uh, and it's been cool to see how students are the same no matter what role in ministry you play. Uh, they're still trying to figure out life and figure out identity. Uh, and I'm all about helping people apply the Bible to their life. I think that when we start doing that, we're going to see some spiritual growth in students and adults uh, that's going to be unrivaled from any other thing that we can see. Yeah, I loved all of, all of what you just said, probably uh, minus the part about Tennessee, only because I know that you're a Tennessee Vols fan. Of course, I live in the great state of Alabama, Roll Tide. Yeah, we won't talk about that this year. <laughs> the only time we'll talk about it is, is it if and of, when it was a Tennessee beats teams, Alabama. A tale of two teams. <laughs> we can put uh, the crown back on Rocky Top. That's so right. I'm looking forward to. Well, listen, you're, 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 are you not getting a coach from the University of Alabama? That's true. Um, while I live in Georgia, I'm like 20 minutes away from Athens here. So we have a ton of Bulldogs fans and everybody was very upset by the national championship. But the only saving grace is that there is a national championship in Knoxville now because uh, Jeremy Pruitt's there and he's got his ring and national championship. It just so happens he's going to be our coach now. It wasn't with Tennessee, but I'll take a moral victory. You, absolutely. No doubt, brother. You got you got uh, you got uh, a guy there who can get it done, you hope. And and, uh, and of course, too, for those that are listening that may not know this, uh, I'm in fact a Notre Dame fan. So I, I'm a Roll Tide fan by marriage. So my wife has taught me well, uh, uh, but I am a Notre Dame fan. And, uh, we, and, and that's why I feel Tennessee's pain a lot of the time, because we have not won a national championship in 30 years hmm. since uh, 1988 with Mr. Lou Holtz. And so the sadness continues. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> There's no hope. No hope. But there is hope 
when we're talking about uh, the devotional life of students. And I want to throw in this here, too, that, Chase, you didn't say this, but Chase uh, is also an author, and he speaks, and he trains, and he does a lot of other things. Um, and so, you know, be sure we're going to get all his uh, information so you can contact him and all that kind of good stuff. And we want to talk about his new book uh, here in just a little while, uh, Stoked, uh, Six Questions You Want to Ask, Right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, to keep your fire lit. Uh, for Jesus. And so in doing that, uh, let's talk first about, um, let's talk about your devotional life. How about that? Let's talk about you, 14-year-old Chase Snyder, and what was devotional life? What did devotional life look for you at age 14? Oh, man, well, it would have been in the early 2000s. I'm sure I had one of those tricked out student teen Bibles um, with the graphics. I'm not sure. I wasn't a skater, but that's kind of the Bible that I imagined that I had back in the day. Um, but, man, my devotional life uh, was a roller coaster ride. Uh, and, and even heading into college, when I went to Christian University, knew I was going to be in ministry, there was this up and down, this ebb and flow of devotional life where I would be on track for a long time, but I would miss a couple days and a day would turn into a week, a week would turn into a month, and you felt this guilt and uh, really the shame that comes into it because I knew as a Christian that I should be reading the Bible, I should be having devotions, but I felt very disconnected from God. Uh, I tried so many different devotional plans and had looked at, you know, do I study a character? What about a theme? What about a verse? Do I read through a book? Do I read through the whole Bible? And I would get to Lamentations and get stuck like everyone else. Uh, if I didn't make it that far, you know, I would get to Leviticus and just be confused by everything that was happening in the Bible. Uh, so as a 14-year-old, uh, my devotion life was hit or miss. Uh, it, it was really predicated on what I'd heard from other people say. Uh, and that was a, a bad place to be growing up spiritually because you're really dependent on everybody else's study, which may be just as a roller coaster ride as yours is, uh, or they may be misinformed by some things. And, and it was a hard spot to grow up in student ministry, knowing that I had that expectation, uh, but not really knowing what it meant to have a devotion life or have that discipline of Bible intake each day. Yeah, and it's you know you're in that same season of of uh, pre social media, right? Still had the yep. internet set. Up, still had all those things, and I, you know, and I'm I'm going to say that most of us, uh, when we were that age, were the same way. And I, you know, we can blame social media. We can blame a lot. I mean, I really we can blame a lot of things, and a lot of people do blame sure. a lot of things. But a lot of that has to do with the focus and attention. Uh, of a student, right? How much, you know, can they absorb or how do they, how do they have devotions? Uh, whether they're kinetic learners, whether they're audio learners, whether they're visual learners, all that kind of good stuff. And, uh, and so I guess I wanted to take some pressure off of the, um, uh, off of the youth pastor that's listening right now, who's just pulling their hair out, trying to figure out how to have their kids have devotions every day. Uh, because they understand, as we understand, that it's an important, vital part of growing in Christ. And you have already written a, a, a couple. You've done some retreat packages, things like that. And you've also done another devotional book, other than the one that you're, you've written today. Um, mm-hmm. So wh- how do you then, with your students in your youth ministry, how do you emphasize uh, or to bring up the necessity or the, I don't know, how do you phrase it to your students that, Uh, That daily time with God is something that you really want to take a closer look at. One of the ways that I approach it is that 
it's almost this empathetic expectation. There's an expectation that they read their Bible every day, but there's also empathy to know that they're growing in Christ. Uh, I feel like if we convey that truth, but we don't also have grace and that understanding that they are going to miss days of devotional reading, just like we do as adults, we would be arrogant and completely off base if we didn't admit that. And I think being real with students, because they're going to be able to see through any of the junk that we try to put up anyways, uh, and telling them that this is a process and reminding them day in and day out that it's about a relationship, not just notching off uh, maybe a day for your devotion reading plan. It's about spending time with Jesus. It's a lot less about how many hours you've spent in the Bible, but how much of the Bible you can get into your life. And when we start phrasing it that way, I start to see the light bulb pop on for a lot of our students. Uh, I try to reference Bible reading, especially that discipline of Bible reading, every week that I can stand in front of students. It's not the main point of every sermon or talk. It's not the main point of every Bible study, but it is something that we bring up constantly because it is, in my opinion, one of the main spiritual disciplines you can have. Uh, You don't know how to obey God if you don't know what God expects from you. Uh, You're missing out on a ton of encouragement. You're limited to think of Jesus in your own terms of what you assume he may or may not do, which is a dangerous spot for us to be in. And our culture is full of these people who just want to create truth as it comes to them. Uh, And so as I see instances where that fails, uh, I'm quick to bring up, man, God's word says this. And as we live it, as we read it, as we obey it, we'll start to see him transform lives. Um, Right now, we're in so many conversations within our culture about uh, these men who've come out and had sexual misconducts. And we can look through the Bible and see how God values women, how God expects men to take care and protect and to lead women, not in a selfish way, but in a selfless way. And any opportunity I can get to connect God's word to the truth of the culture, I think it makes it a little bit more relevant. Uh, Students are scared of the Bible because there are big names that happened a long time ago. But when we look at something like The Hobbit, that is a great piece of literature, it has big names and is set a long time ago. Shoot, Star Wars is the same way, but we can memorize some of those plots because we see the value in that we get caught up in the story. Uh, We just try to make sure that we're catching our students up in the story of Jesus's redemptive work. Right, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, right? There was a man named Adam who was completely (laughs) naked. (laughs) Well, I don't remember that version of Star Wars. That was, okay. I have to go back and watch. Is that the is that on Blu-ray? Is that like is that like the director's cut? I'm not sure if it's the director's cut. I think it may be a bootleg version of a <laughs> Disneyland theme park oh, that's going to come out in 2020. You bought that off the corner, didn't you? That was one of those. Yes, videos. you bought that off the corner. I got you. Uh, but uh, Chase, you bring up so many great points. The, I, I like what the fir- very first thing you said was talking about how kids don't have direction. They don't know where to start. They don't know. They don't know where they're going to begin at. And like so many young people, myself included, tried to read the Bible all the way through. They said, oh, you start in Genesis. That's where you start. You try to move your way through. You try to push your way through Leviticus and circumcision. And by the time you get to numbers, you're just, uh, you're just, you don't even know what to do with yourself. If you can, like you said, if you can make it that far. And then the next thing you said was talking about um, uh, the fact of relevancy is, is connecting 
the things in our world with what we see, right? If you don't, if you want to be, you know, the question is, do you want to be men of honor? Do you want to be men who respect women? Do you want to be, do you want to be, uh, uh, you know, somebody who's not a sleazy guy? Well, if you want to do that, there's no greater or, or higher calling than what scripture calls you to be, right? That That's the, the, the mandate there. And then the other thing you said too, was the fact that, um, about the grace that we show, right? The, and boy, I tell you what, nobody was harder on me than me when I missed it, right? If I didn't feel like I got my, whatever that was, right? I'm, I'm a little bit, yeah. uh, I, I, I am far more lenient now than I've ever been in my life. Not because I have like, um, eased off the, uh, you know, the passion of it, of that it should be done. But I can remember how I used to beat myself up when uh, I missed it or, or somebody else would beat me up if, if I missed it. Uh, what yeah. do you mean you don't have your devotion? What do you mean you're not? You know, you'd hear that, those kind of things. And, um, and so all of those together, I think it just makes a, for a great attitude that every youth worker listening should look and have that grace and, have, and say, well, how do I connect devotions with relevancy? And how do I uh, give my students where can they start? Uh, kind of things. Where do you have, you know, do you offer your students, do you, do you give them um, beyond the devotions maybe you hand them, do you offer them? I know a lot of people say various things, but do you tell them where to start in Scripture? It depends. Uh, for students who become a Christian within our ministry, we're going to hold their hand uh, maybe a little bit closer than we would with other students. Um, but we try to connect them to various Bible plans on the Bible app. Uh, that's one of our go-tos. It's simple. They have Bibles. I say every week, if you don't have a Bible, please let us know. We want to get you a good copy of a Bible, not just some $5 gift Bible. While those are great, we want to get them a study Bible, something that they can use and keep for a long time. Uh, but the realization is that the Bible app is incredible for students because they can not only set the reminders, they can open up the transparency of that and allow their friends to see their activity on those Bible reading plans. And we try to connect those small group leaders with them. So as the leaders are able to speak life and to show their progress reading some of these plans with their students, uh, it's able to have some of those spiritual conversations. And, and when you have those spiritual conversations, you're meditating on God's Word, and they're able to apply it a little bit better. So we don't have a specific starting point, but we do try to make sure that we have some very clear-cut, hey, here are some of the go-to Bible reading plans uh, within that Bible app that our small group leaders are ready. So I know that even within our contacts, I have several Bible uh, small group leaders who are doing different Bible plans. And so our students may not be on the same thing as a group, but they are on the same thing as a small group. Okay. Do you have uh, uh, do you have also physical copies of things like you, everybody can have the Bible app and of course that's you know critical for students everybody's got a phone everybody's got the access to the Word but do you also have something physical in hand uh, maybe this is me just being I'm just old school anyway but do you have uh, physical copies of things that you can hand to students in your ministry? Yes, and you know with my context of being high school ministry, it's. It's a lot easier to expect them to have a phone because so many of them do. Uh, but I've been a, a family ministries pastor before I was a high school ministries pastor. So I realized that middle school students don't necessarily have phones. A lot of them do. Uh, but you bring up a great point that not all the students are going to have that. Some of the parents are protective. It may be a financial investment they're not willing to make yet. Uh, so we do have a few uh, really devotion books that we've got them in stock. If students need them, we can hand them out. Uh, we have everything from 
devotion books for new believers. We get a lot of content from different areas throughout student ministry worlds uh, to the True Love Waits project to have a 40-day devotion on purity. So no matter what that student's dealing with, we have about four or five different books uh, that helps explain next steps, also helps explain doctrine or spiritual disciplines or relationships uh, to help them get into the Word. So some of those are books. Um, most Actually, most of them are books that are fairly short, that are interactive with them, and then a few of those are Bible reading plans that are printed off that they can stick in their Bible and keep with them. Do you find that the young, because I know you work with the high school and the young adults, where do you see young adults trending? Are they completely app or do they, or do they like physical copy things as well? I don't know. I, I think it's probably a half and half there. <laughs> Just go down the middle and have a political answer on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. You know, some of them are completely digital. They're going to bring their iPad set up with their Logos software and are completely ready to follow along with the sermon in Greek. And some of them do. Uh, A lot of them bring their Bible and they'll bring a moleskin notebook with a nice pen and just jot down everything that they keep. Uh, Even for myself, I'm split between the digital world and also having a pen and notebook and paper with me all the time. Um, And so I I would say it kind of depends on their personality, but Uh, We're starting to see some of that trend for the young adults away from a lot of the tech because they have so much of it. You know, it's almost the the popular thing for young adults is to do the unpopular thing. And so they've revolted against Facebook and they start new social medias like all of our generations have. Um, And so it's almost a little bit less tech and worship and more the authenticity. So I see some of them bring their Bibles, but a lot of them have it on their phones. Yeah, They went back and started listening to records. Yes, they have. Ah, yes, hallelujah. Uh, but I, I love what you say there too, because you know, and you know, sometimes we, I, I don't know, maybe I, and it's probably me. Just you know, we, I explain it badly, or what it means to have a devotional time, because you know, devotional time can be so much more uh, richer and um, and um, uh, energizing than I think maybe what I explain it to be, because when we say read your Bible, when we say you know, pray. And when we say those things, um, you know, when you talk about having a notebook with you, when you talk about maybe journaling a little bit, and sure, that's maybe a stretch for a middle schooler, but a high schooler uh, who already has to take maybe a creative writing class or something like that, uh, you know, is maybe used to having something like that where they can, and whether they do it on their computer, right? Or whether they, whether their journal is just a, you know, a, a Word document where they're typing in their thoughts or things like that. And, uh, and I think that's so, uh, uh, important that we ex- maybe expand the horizons of what devotional time is. Cause I think for at least growing up for me, devotional time, and maybe because that was the lack of, you know, anything else. I mean, you didn't have anything else there, but you said, okay, you had your Bible and that was pretty much it. Or you had maybe a devotional book or something like that that you were kind of reading through. So I think that you make a great point that, uh, you know, kids are, you know, in your group, you know, will, you know, write down stuff in the sermon, the message, which then becomes, if they do that, that becomes meditative, right? They're reflecting on that. They're, they're yeah. going through those things. Um, do you get, uh, do you now your book that we're going to jump into here in just a second here, but the six questions to fuel your fire for Jesus, when will you use that book? When will, do you, is that the book? Do you leave that out? Or is that like, do you use that for, uh, after camp or what, what are some ways that you foresee yourself using a book like that in your ministry? Yeah, specifically for this book, uh, it was written with this 
thought and this conviction even on my own. When I was growing up going to camps and working at a Christian retreat center where I saw more than 60,000 students come through different camps and retreats, Disciple Nows, and how this fire for Jesus was stoked during a camp. But when they went home, it seems like the flame for Jesus, that passion, slowly started to burn out. Uh, And it wasn't that their uh, spiritual life was completely non-existent, but it was that passion. It was that thrive and that energy and that fire for the things of God slowly started to burn out. We've all seen those people who've come back from a camp uh, completely ready to take on the entire world, to move to whatever country it took, to do whatever steps it may take to make sure that Jesus is known. But a month or two may pass and their schedules, their habits, the relationships that they have didn't really change when they came back home. Uh, So they ended up slowly losing that passion for Jesus. And so uh, specifically for Stoked, this is a book to help students on the other side of that retreat. Now, something in student ministry, it seems like we have a retreat almost once a quarter, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a conference, a big event, uh, but we do that as adults too. I've seen a lot of adults rely solely on a weekend experience and a weekend worship gathering to spark their passion for Jesus, uh, which there's an element to that. There's an element of encouragement and correction that comes with a weekend worship service, but that can't be the only fuel you have to your spiritual fire. It takes a day in, day out discipline to make sure that you're growing next to Jesus. Uh, I tell our students and our leaders often that discipleship doesn't happen at events. It happens in the days between events. It's that day-to-day progress that we need to see as as we grow in Jesus. And so Stoked is really a book aimed to help ask some practical questions, some very easy questions after those events, as the students experience some of that uh, burnout spiritually to get their fire stoked back for Jesus, because spiritual growth can happen after an event. Uh, And many students just wait for the next camp, the next disciple now, the next retreat to get back on track with Jesus, when Jesus has a whole lot for them, maybe a month or two or or a year before that event comes up. Well, yeah. And and let me tell you what, I'm a, I just, I love camp so much. I mean, I gave my heart to Christ at camp. And so, um, you know, when I was probably 13 years old and, uh, and I can remember, you know, you know, being at the camp several years, working at the camp as a counselor, uh, being in leadership at the camp, and now I've gone back the past 15 years and still speak at the same camp I received Christ at for the past 15 years. I'll go for a week uh, in the summer and go speak. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and so, but I t- I totally hear you. The fact that uh, that events uh, and those moments are great moments, but they're they're not sustainable. They're not. They're not meant to be sustainable as part of the Christian walk, as part of the uh, of the discipleship. It, you know, those in themselves are meant to spark, as you said, uh, but they're not meant to keep you lit the whole time. They're meant to start something in you, and that's where your book uh, Stoked comes in, right? Where and really, I mean, if you look at the events, like example, I have what's called. I take my kids to youth convention, right? So we have youth convention, which is all the ch- churches from around the. Uh, you know, state, and we'll go to the youth convention. Then we got camp, or then we got discipleship camp, or you got a disciple now, or you have. I mean, and, and the youth pastors listening here, they have multiple ways. Whatever those events are, and those things, and kids will recommit their lives to Christ at, you know, ten times a year at an event, yeah. maybe, and then sometimes in youth meeting themselves. So a resource like Stoke is something you that you could use 
all year round and they don't have to keep it for camp. They don't have to keep it. I mean, they can, uh, but they, they can, this is a resource that's really, they could use year round to have and hand to a kid to say, Hey, look, here's, here's some devotions. Here's some things you can use to help keep your life stoked right in the word. Uh, something you can do, build a book club around or whatever you like to do, some sort of accountability. But let me get into the questions here. These are six questions to keep your fire lit for Christ. Here's the six questions that are in the book. And uh, it is, what is extinguishing my passion for Jesus? Who is stoking my passion for Jesus? What is God teaching me through his word? What is consuming my thoughts and time? Uh, how has Jesus shown up in my life this week? And number six is, who who am I bringing closer to Christ. Now, let me ask you a question then. Which of these questions, which of these six questions do you wish someone or, or, or you know, uh, that someone had asked you, or maybe you had asked yourself more, even as a teenager? It's kind of hard to narrow down which one that I would ask myself or wish that I'd have had an adult or mentor ask me. Probably the one would be, what is consuming my thoughts and time? Yeah. Uh, a game changer for me in the past couple of years is this realization that if my passion for Jesus is burning out, that means that my passion for something else is burning hotter. Uh, I rarely enter a season where I have no passion at all. I'm always clinging to something. And I think that that's a, a point that we miss very often within church and our relationship with Jesus is that we say, oh, I don't have a passion for Jesus anymore. And so we, we start trying to stoke that up, but we never really think about all of the other things that have consumed our thoughts and our times because we are passionate about a lot of things. Uh, we start missing the mark when it comes to our spiritual life, not because of a lack of time. It's always a lack of focus. It's distractions that come in and distractions that keep us from standing for the truth and walking in wisdom. And I remember the most of the mistakes that I've made in my life, and, and I assume the most of the mistakes I will continue to make in my life have happened when I was spiritually burned out, physically tired, or isolated. Uh, and I really feel like this question really starts to reveal what am I passionate about in this season of life. And I wish I definitely would have had some leaders ask me that more frequently when I was in high school and college. Is that the same question, or do you have another question maybe that you like to ask students? Do you, are any of those questions a go-to question that you that you ask the students around you? One of the ones I love to ask students is, how has Jesus shown up in your life this week? God is always at work. We fail to see the incredible ways that God is transforming lives, moving in our community, working through our families, answering prayers, and we just walk on. And then we start saying, well, I don't feel God. But we forget about the eight times we prayed for safety on this trip and that we made it and we never gave God the glory that he protected us for our travel. Like even to that small of a note, God is working in our lives. And I love asking students, how's Jesus shown up in your life? Because they have incredible stories of transformation and life change. And if we can get them viewing and really looking through a lens of what God's doing in their life, and there's some excitement that gets sparked, not only for them to grow spiritually, um, it, it's like playing a sport. If you play basketball, but you never make a shot, you're going to give up because you're not any good. Uh, it's very demotivating to keep standing at a free throw line and to miss shots. You can ask any professional basketball player that's horrible at free throws. It's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. They want to avoid it. And when we view our relationship with Jesus and we can't see 
some of the incredible ways that he's been working in our lives, it becomes very demotivating because we start to question if God is with us. Is God moving? Has he left his creation just to fend for themselves? Uh, And when students start to notice, man, God is moving. He's doing some incredible things in my life. I saw him working in this person's life. He's answering prayers. He's guiding me. He's encouraging me. He's giving people the right words to speak at the right time. Not only is their fire sparked and stoked a little bit more, that's something exciting for our team of student ministry leaders. That's exciting for our church to hear those stories, to see that even as a 14-year-old, God's moving in people's lives and it's contagious. It starts burning like wildfire. Well, and I, you, once again, the great point of of understanding, because I think sometimes as youth workers, we can make the we can make the everything's got to be a dunk, right? Everything you got to slam dunk everything, and mm-hmm. or or in the case of uh, how is Jesus moving your life? Well, if we didn't you know raise the dead, you know five times today, or if we didn't, uh, I I see that students tend to. Uh, they miss the small interactions like you're talking about. They miss the small uh, currency uh, of the Holy Spirit kind of moving through their lives ever so gracefully, right? That, yeah. that it's them coming up to a friend uh, who's lonely. It's them uh, paying for a kid's lunch in the lunch line who has no money. It's Well, that's Jesus showing up in them, through them, to somebody else. You know, I, I think we, we spend a lot of time as youth workers just trying to, uh, you know, everything has to be on the on the total magnificent side of everything where, you know, that uh, it's just got to be bigger than life ever all the time. And, and sometimes just in the simple quiet, right, you know, that God, you know, is, isn't in the fire and he's not in the wind, but he's in the still small voice. And, uh, and I think that's so important because kids can... Um, can judge themselves so harshly. As I said earlier, right? You just judge yourself. Oh, God must not be moving at all because I'm not doing anything miraculous today. Yeah. And think about as we read the Bible, going through the history of Israel, so often their future looked bleak, but their hope was always attached to the fact that God would provide a remnant. God would continue to be faithful to his promises to their ancestors for generation after generation. And even if they couldn't see how God was moving, they knew that they would be looking for it because God would show up some way, somehow, at some point. God was going to do some miraculous things because he was a God who kept his promises. And if we can start teaching students to notice how God is showing up in people's lives— I think that's going to fuel their passion for Jesus and the years when they're going through college and it seems very bleak and dark uh, when they get into their marriage and they're trying to navigate this relationship of having somebody else in their house, making decisions, using the credit card together. And then you add children into the mix and you completely have no idea what you're doing at all. Uh, You have to have this mindset that Jesus is moving. That Jesus has not forgotten me, that Jesus will continue to be faithful to his promises. I need to know where to look. I need to be looking for ways that God is walking with me because I know that God's not distant. God's the same at a camp or a worship service or when I'm standing in front of my Bible or when I'm out with the boys in the backyard. Like God is with me. And so if I'm not noticing it, it's not because he's not showing up. It must be that I haven't tuned my eyes to see what he's doing. Right, and if and if kids can get enough of the word in them, everything I you know that becomes the lens they see everything through. Right, they see if you watch a movie yes. like Star Wars, if you watch a movie like The Hobbit, 
everything then becomes, oh, that's like this. They become the, the, the um, what do I want to say, the icon, the, the thing by which they look at everything else. They become this, it becomes the standard, right? Yes. Uh, that all the no other movies we see are then in relation to Star Wars or uh, The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or other, other classic things like that. But if you can get enough of the word into a kid – he will then begin to discover that God is moving around because that will remind him of the story, right? Oh, that reminds me of the, you know, the rich young ruler or that that reminds me of, uh, you know, the time that Jesus cast the devil out of that guy or, you know, whatever it may be. But if there's, a, if there's enough word in them, that then becomes the standard by which to measure, right, the promises that are around you already. They're already being activated in your life. Uh, and so important, so important. Um let me ask you another question. The which of these? I don't want the youth workers. I know you're listening to this and you're taking notes and you're you're thinking to yourself, "I'm safe. I'm going to teach kids how to have their devotions." You think <laughs> you're safe. I'm letting you know right now it's about to become unsafe because I'm going to ask Chase this question: Is which of these questions, Chase, do you think youth workers need to ask themselves more often? Man, all of them. <laughs> That's the cop out question. Sure, uh, <laughs> That's okay. We, I, I agree. Yeah, when, when you get into ministry, even if you serve as a group leader, I know that people tend to downplay that. Well, I'm not in full-time ministry or I'm not on the stage. I'm not doing the platform stuff. But the role of a small group leader, the role of even a chaperone that may attend some events, as we don't like the word chaperone, there there are some leaders who are – able to come in maybe once or twice a year and to help with the student ministry. And so whatever your leadership part in the student ministry looks like, you've got to make sure that you are vibrantly growing in Jesus as well. Uh, this is for all of us. Uh, we can't be lame duck leaders. God has not called us to delegate our responsibility to lead students to Jesus. And so if we are going to be spiritual leaders, we have to be spiritually led by Jesus. There's no other way around it. But one of the questions that I really like for a leader, it gets them to start thinking, especially for student ministry, is who am I bringing closer to Jesus? Being a youth worker is incredible, and we have a massive responsibility, but it's easy for us to fall into a rut of coming to a youth worship event or just showing up and thinking that our presence is the main thing when really our presence has nothing to do with ministry. It's all about the presence of the Holy Spirit and God working in people's lives. Yep. So if we can't say, hey, I'm bringing this person closer to Jesus, uh, there's some disconnect between the ministry that we want to do and the actions that were actually taken within our student ministries. Yeah, yeah. It's not, I tell my students all the time, and I'm on a rant right now with them, it's not what you believe, it's what you practice. Don't, mm. tell, don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you practice, right? If you believe in something, there is a physical manifestation of your beliefs. And so if you believe in the Bible, then guess what? You're, you're going to read it. If you believe there's a heaven and hell, you're going to share about that. If you believe in certain core principles, certain things, you know, that we, that we got a, gr a great group of kids who believe a lot of great things, but they are not practicing uh, the things that they say they believe. So yeah. there's, there's that breakdown. And I think sometimes youth workers fall into the same trap that we can rely upon last week's youth work or last week's youth meeting or last church service. We can fall that if, that if kids don't see, see the word transforming us, it's hard for them to buy in that it's going to transform them. 
if they if we they can't see the word in us or not only living it out the practicing of it but also like you said saying things like well the bible says or the bible says this or the bible says that because otherwise then we're just spouting opinions uh of mm-hmm. what we think they ought to do and and you make the great point that if that you know we can't lead people where we haven't been we can't if we're not going deep we can't expect our kids to go any deeper than than where where we're willing to go and uh, and invite kids into that and so youth workers that are listening uh i want you to if no other reason maybe you should buy chase's book just so you can go through it yourself and ask those seven questions those six questions which brings me to the last question which is and I said seven questions because seven is stuck in my head. But if you if you could add, or maybe you won't. Maybe you just say nope, I wouldn't add it. But if you could add a seventh question to that, is there one? Is there one that you would say, oh, I, yeah, if I could add one, I'd add one more, and be this. I'm sure you could add a hundred questions okay. to all of this. I can't remember which director it was. This is sort of a side note. Sure. Um, I think it was James Cameron directed Avatar. Was yep. that correct? Mm-hmm. I believe it was James Cameron. They said, when when did you know that Avatar was a perfect movie and that you were done? And he said, well, I, I never get a perfect movie. I just run out of time and I run out of money and I produce what I've got at that point. <laughs> so I feel like you could always add some things to these questions. Um, man, but off the top of my head, adding questions like, who do I need to forgive I think that that would be an incredible question to start cultivating some of those redemptive aspects to relationships. And we know that scripture, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with people. Uh, Who do I need to forgive? There may be some anger or some unforgiveness that's been harbored in some lives. Uh, Or really even, are you partaking daily in spiritual disciplines? You know, to go outside of even Bible intake, are you serving? Are you praying? Do you meditate on God's word? Are you fasting the way that the Bible explains to us that we need to be fasting? Are you celebrating what God's been doing? Are you attending worship? Not that those things are going to force God to bless you. Uh, That's never the aim for any spiritual discipline, but the spiritual disciplines are strengthening us. And it's almost like tossing another log on the fire. Uh, As we were talking earlier, it's easy for these events to spark spiritual growth in our lives, it's, it's a lot like gasoline. Gasoline burns bright and hot and impressively yeah. when it's on fire, but it does not sustain. Gasoline will spark a, a nice fire, maybe an explosion if you are a pyromaniac, yes. but gasoline will spark a fire. It won't sustain it. Uh, being sustained as a fire means you've got to wake up, stoke the fire, move the logs, add another log as you need to, but you were constantly thinking, I can't let this fire go out. And that's a, that's an idea that we need to bring into our spiritual relationship. So, uh, man, maybe who do I need to forgive? What disciplines do I need to add into my life? Um, I'm sure there are 100 more questions you can sure. add to this. Sure, and hopefully some of those would come to light in the midst of doing your devotional time, right? Those, those mm-hmm. would be things that the Holy Spirit will... Uh, you don't need a book to tell you that sometimes, right? The Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, maybe you should, you know, make this right. Maybe you should start, you know, giving in the offering. You know, maybe you should quit holding on to all your, your money or your whatever. Um, in, in, as we begin to wrap this up, just tell me a little bit how you have the book broken down. You have it broken down in what way so that it's, you know, so that kids, that students are going to, um, you know, follow along with it. Yeah, it's a unique setup for a book. 
Uh, we have the six questions we'll be gone over in six weeks. So each week starts with a main session that's going to be looked at through uh, through that main question. So it's going to explore the question. It's going to give the biblical basis of it. Uh, it'll be very relatable within that first session. Each of the sessions ends with a passage to study and some questions to consider. So if you're going through this with a small group, you can either read the first session, which is almost a chapter length. Before you get to the group, you all could discuss some of the points from that and then also have the Bible verse and a couple questions to answer. And then after that, there are five daily devotions. So it gets you through six days of the week, but there are five daily devotions that are all pointed to that main question for the week uh, and really set it up that way so that you can read and get some insight, you get some inspiration, but then you also have the moment to develop that discipline and to get into the word. Uh, the devotions come with a devotional thought, a passage, but then it comes with a time for you to apply that devotion. So there are six questions. They're the exact same six questions for all five devotions over the six-week journey. And the reason I chose to do that is to get that repetitive nature in, to really develop this this discipline, to think about how God is um, how's God portrayed in this passage? What does it mean for me to apply this passage? Are there any next steps I need to take to fulfill what God is leading through this so that we really become accustomed to approaching the Bible, but not leaving the exact same way we came to it, uh, but living a life that's changed, and hopefully stoking that spiritual desire for him? Absolutely. And Chase, too, thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast today. I want to encourage people to go by and uh, get the book. Uh, I'm going to put all that information in the uh, show notes there, but it's called Stoked, Six Questions uh, Six Questions to Fuel Your Fire for Jesus. Where can people uh, get this? Is it even out yet? Is it, is it, in the, uh, is it on Amazon? Is it... It's coming out at the end of January. So depending on when you're listening, it'll be out at the end of January. It'll be on Amazon. Another easy way to pick it up is through my website, my blog, which is chasesnyder.blog. Uh, you can find it there or Ministry Bubble, which is kind of the parent company uh, that we created to do a lot of articles and publishing. Uh, it'll be listed on that website as well at Ministry Bubble. Fantastic. Well, listen, if you're listening today and you say, listen, I really want to get my kids having a devotional time, I tell you what, there's the, the questions themselves. I mean, you could preach the questions, right? You can be that's a seven week series, a six week series you can do right there. And then you can, you know, you can, you can pass out the book, you can do, you know, and I imagine this is available on Kindle as well. Is that right? Uh, it is not available on Kindle. Oh. Yeah, we toyed with that because there's so many blank spots to write in your answers. I was like, well, on Kindle, you can't do that. So how am I supposed to get you to apply the Bible and uh, really look at it as a workbook, as a, almost a study guide yeah. in this journey? So uh, it's not going to be available on Kindle. Well, I, you know, I kind of like that, though. I kind of like the fact that you got to get the book and you got to hand it out and you got to like that. That's a good, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to yeah. hand out to kids. Um, so yeah, so go by, uh, check out all the stuff, the, all the links and everything, everything we talked about will be in the show notes today. So please go ahead and check that out. Uh, also if you're a uh, brand spanking new to the podcast, I want to thank you for joining me, hanging out. I'm glad that you've checked it out today. Be sure to go by and, uh, maybe if you leave a few, uh, reviews, leave some stars and maybe review on the podcast over on iTunes, uh, that will help get the podcast found in search and all those kind of good things. But I want to thank my friend Chase Snyder today for coming by and hanging out with me today. Thank you, Chase. 
Yeah, thanks, Paul. It's been a joy to be here. And definitely rate Paul on iTunes because a Notre Dame fan needs a few more likes and stars in his life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do it for the Irish, people. Do it for the Irish. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's it for today. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.